You are listening to the Tour des Flâneurs, the cycling podcast at the 2021 Tour de France, powered by Super Sapiens, energy management for committed athletes and coaches. Stage 18, today we're in Lusardiden. Mitch, is the Tour de France. We're in a little village at the foot of the Tourmalet. They've just come off the descent of the Tourmalet. They're about to start climbing up to Luz Ardennes. And we're, we just thought we'd take in the roadside experience, didn't we? Yeah, it's awesome here. It's like watching the anticipation. The, the car's coming past for 10 minutes before. By the time the riders come, it feels like it's going to be a bunch finished. And we're just at a simple corner. They came through here pretty fast, but a big, big crowd has been out for quite some time. There's a big screen set up as well, so we've been watching the race and maybe going to watch the, the climb now. Um, David Godou was uh, out in front, didn't have much of a lead, and the group behind him that was chasing had been absorbed by that bunch, led by Ineos Grenadiers. Your man, Rigoberto Ran, in a bit of trouble today, isn't he? I think he's a couple of minutes off the back. I think, yeah, he, but he looks like he's back in that group. Did you not see? I think he got distance again before the oh. top. Okay, yeah, that's not looking great because there's, there's normal, some normal riders in there like Michael Shara saw in there and, you know, Dylan Van Baal. So it's been hard. I don't want to underestimate it, but it hasn't been overly hard. So clearly not on a good day. And Ruben Guerrero was up the road and I think he's still in that main group. Here comes... Oh, yeah. Here comes Iran now with a couple of teammates helping him in a, a group of about 20 uh, chasing. But, yeah, clearly a bad day in the chances that he had of the podium maybe just slipping away yeah it's really sad to see the team split in half obviously a few guys in that front bunch still trying to go for the stage win and a couple of guys back with uh, Rigo but that's like Magnus Court Nielsen a good climber in his own right but he's not really a pure climber so it sees that he's really on a not a great day shall we go and watch the denouement of the stage on the big screen let's do it well, Mitch, that was uh, you and I uh, in between the climbs of the Tourmalet and the climb up to Luzardenen, a beautiful climb to finish today's stage. Um, and we have convened now in the early evening with Francois Thomas again. Hello, Francois. Hi there. Where are we, Francois? We're at Le Viscos. I mean, the, the, if you've been listening to the podcast for some years, you know that we try every year when we're in on, on the Tour de France, especially in the area close to the Tourmalet, to go to Le Viscos. I know that some of you listeners have, have been to Le Viscos for dinner or lunch or at you know after riding the run in the area. It's uh, yeah, it's, it's like a second home. It's my Pyrenees home uh, in many ways, and uh, well, we've been received <laughs> in style by the uh, by Aurélien, who is the son of the owner and a, a very good, gra- well, very keen gravel rider. He's got a club called Gravel Pyrenees. If you come in the area and you're into gravel come here and he treated us to beers there's there's beer all over the tray there uh, well, well we're gonna hear a bit about the beer the local beer later on in in mitch's beer slot what you call it we, we've we've got a bit of a thirst haven't we mitch because we went for a bite ride today we did we did i um i went over the cold aspen um Heaps of cyclists out there, 
And I experienced firsthand how big the tour is today because I remember speaking to you guys at the start as you drove off. My idea was to ride from the hotel to the stage and you were like, mm, I don't know if we're going to get blocked. You guys were talking about that at 10 this morning. I'm thinking, what are they on about? I went through on the bike and I almost didn't make it through. It was only a 10K section. It was crazy, but it was really cool again to absorb that atmosphere and how big the tour is and blew me away how far people would walk just to get to the bottom of the Tour Malay. The road was blocked. I got through on my bike. That must have been 10 kilometers of a normal road. A lot of people were just walking just to get to the bottom. It was quite cool. You rode the whole way. I came in and met you. We rode about 20 kilometers together. Um, that was a lot of fun. Uh, I was I was surprised that you, you were, you know, asking me to slow down a bit and <laughs> I mean, I know I've been, I've been, I'm quite fit at the moment. I've been doing a lot, but I must say I, that surprised me. Uh, a world tour pro, and uh, you were clearly struggling. I was, I was hunger flat at that point and had a puncher. So yeah, I can imagine. <laughs> no, it was, it was great. It was great to, it was great to know you were coming along the way. It really gave me uh, motivation to really get it all out before you met me <laughs> and cruise in the last 20 it was beautiful kilometers. riding though wasn't oh, it oh it was beautiful lovely roads yeah and you managed to plot a route for me that included very little climbing which was much appreciated um stage 18 then of the tour de france the finish up at luzardeden of a very famous climb um dag otto lauritsen won there didn't he in 1987 yeah i mean a great one of my most bizarre memories of the tour because when when Dagot Lawrence won in 1987, nobody knew who had won, and nobody knew how that happened because it was so misty that day that the, the helicopters didn't fly. It was you know before the uh, internet and everything, and so when this guy came out of the clouds, Dagot Lawrence, and nobody knew, you know, he had broken away. Nobody knew how it had. He's the only one to know, or maybe he doesn't know himself, you know, because it was so misty. I mean, the foggy day on the Tour de France it was. Well, we still see him every day. I was staggered to believe that it was 35 years ago because Dago Tlorison looks about 35 still. You know, <laughs> yeah, I mean, he, hasn't he's he hasn't changed at all. I'm going to point him out to Mitch one day. Um, Luz Arden as well, Greg LeMond and, and Miguel Injury in 1990. Lance Armstrong in 2003, that's where he um, clipped or, or got his handlebars stuck in a, a spectator's bag. So it's a very famous, a very beautiful climb in the Tour de France. The day began on a bit of a sour note, though, because news uh, was broken of a police raid on the uh, hotel of Bahrain Victorious. The team uh, riding the Tour, obviously, with Wout Poles in the Kingdom Mountains jersey today. They've won a stage with Matej Morich, lost their leader, Jack Haig. Um, Sonny Colbrelli has been a factor throughout the race, and um, they've been one of the form teams of the year, and this news broke that their hotel had been raided by about 50 police officers um, from the Marseille Prosecutor's Office. That's the, the prosecutor behind this investigation. Um, the police said that the, or the prosecutor's office said that the investigation was opened on July the 3rd into the possible acquisition, transportation, possession, and importing of a prohibited substance or method for use by an athlete without justification by members of Team Bahrain Victorious. Uh, and that was the, the, the reason given behind this raid. Um, we'll maybe return to this a bit later on. I spoke to Roger Hammond at the finish uh, to try and get a bit more information. I didn't get an awful lot more information, but I know you've been following this closely as well, Francois. So we'll, we'll return to this story. But it's notable that it's the same, I think it's the same prosecutor's office as was behind the raid of Nairo Quintana's 
hotel rooms during last year's Tour de France, an investigation that was launched and, and kind of petered out. Yeah, it is indeed the, the same the same prosecution office. Is it the same inquiry or the same investigation? It seems that it might be. And as far as we know, they, they, from the, the various sources we got, they, they, they didn't actually search the, the, the rooms too much. They were looking for the data uh, of the riders. Uh, and so they went through their computers, uh, emails and stuff. Um, so well, we, that, that's about what we know. Uh, yeah, which they, is they, they took their data, their training why, data. Why <laughs> were they looking for that? Well, we don't know. Um, it's, a, it's a curious one, isn't it? Um, that they were looking for their training data, apparently. But I'll, I'll return to my conversation with Roger Hammond a bit, a bit later on. Um, the stage itself, well, they began in Po, a very familiar place for us at the Tour de France. Um, early attackers, Chris Jensen, who uh, emerged overnight, had, along with Philippe Gilbert and Chris Froome, come to the rescue of an amateur rider who'd f- crashed and fallen. And, and Did you catch this story, Francois? No. Well, they, they had come to the rescue of an amateur rider who'd who'd fallen some distance, and uh, they, they, they helped him. We must find out a bit more about that. Mm. Um, Mate Morich of Bayern Victorious, who'd been very bullish at the start, saying that um, it was the, the, the police raid had been a, um, a waste of time, and, and they, uh, well, they, they missed dinner and massage and so on, and he was pretty bullish at the start, saying that they, were, they had nothing to hide and they were going to focus on the race, and he did. He was in that early move with... Yul Jensen and Sean Bennett. Um, there were counterattacks. Yul and Philippe once again. We saw him on the attack. Um, but there wasn't much getting very far. Um, and in the uh, intermediate sprint, there were four riders up the road, but Mark Cavendish uh, won the bunch sprint behind that head of Michael Matthews to increase his lead in the Green Jersey competition. Um, Philippe and Morich were up the road as they began the Tourmalet. They had uh, an advantage of 130 over... The bunch that was led by UAE Team Emirates. There were a few French riders on the attack in between. On the day that Emmanuel Macron was in the car with Christian Prudhomme, the French president, of course. Pierre Roland, Pierre Latour, uh, Kenny Ellison and Valentin Madouas were all trying to get up to the leading two. Um, but halfway up the Tourmalet, a group um, converged at the front. And from that, uh, Pierre Latour and David Godou, who we also saw um, trying yesterday to get up to the leaders. They attacked together and got away, and Godou actually went over the Tourmalet alone, dropped down the other side alone. He was off the front just when we saw him, just before the climb of Luzardin End, but very quickly, really, he was swallowed up. Um, it was Ineos Grenadiers who were once again sort of taking the race to UAE Team Emirates. Um Pogacar had one teammate, Rafael Maika, left, but um, Ineos Grenadiers were, were, well, they had Dylan Van Barl leading a lot the way up the Tourmalet, and then Theo Gegenhart took, uh, took over at the foot of Luzard Den. There were a few riders struggling. Uh, Rigoberto Uran, who we mentioned at the start, Mitch, he had a bad day today and dropped to 10th overall in the end, so he's completely lost any chance of finishing on the podium. Um it was it was a very similar finale to yesterday's stage. Pogacar, Carapaz, Vingegaard, um were the were the three who made it to the finish together. But we, I think, different yesterday. We had Sepkus up there, which was <clears throat> it was strange for me to see what he ended up doing, setting a pace uh, for Vingegaard, 
Um, yeah, I don't know. You, well, we were watching that, and you you were saying that you never really understand that tactic. I mean, Yuma Visma, there, there were five. There was Eric Mass was there as well. Mm. Yumbo Visma had two riders there. Uh, Sepkus went to the front of the group and, and rode pretty hard and then was spent and swung off. And you were questioning that, that tactic or just unsure about what the point of it was. I just sort of thought, you know, Pojikar clearly has shown that anyone riding at a high tempo is not going to drop him. He is the strongest climber. And that tactic, I think, only works when you have the strongest climber. And I don't know what would have been a better tactic, potentially waiting and, and attacking, but, you know, Sepp Cuss wouldn't have got chased. He potentially could have gone for the stage. And I feel like that um, Vingegaard has achieved better things when he was attacking and changing the tempo. Um, yeah, very easy to say that from the side of the road, but it just didn't seem like the best tactic mm-hmm. for such a strong guy when he could have potentially gone for the stage. Yeah, I don't maybe. think anyone would have chased him. Uh, had he gone for the stage, maybe Pogacar, who obviously wanted to win it, w- 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 might have counter-attacked to, to you know, try and chase after him. And then, if it caught him, then Vingegaard could have gone for the stage with himself. himself. Gets, gets five minutes and wins the tour. Yeah, I mean, Vingegaard afterwards said that he had a really hard day today, that he was he was struggling. And so Sepkus may have been riding like that in order just to keep the, the, mm. the pace consistent, perhaps, to avoid the sort of accelerations that might have seen him off because he, he, he apparently was, was struggling today. Do you think that's what Ineos Grenadiers were doing? You know, I, just I don't setting know. a comfortable tempo for Carapaz that he knew he could stay there I mean a lot of people have been asking what they've been doing because they've been riding in the way that they've always ridden as Sky and Ineos where they you know they put lots of bodies on the front and set a a, a hard pace but you were remarking Mitch on how today you know when they had you know three or four riders at at the front setting a hard pace the group was still about 20-25 strong whereas in, in the old days it would have been 10 riders with half of them yeah, but, but at the end of the day, they dropped uh, Rigoberto Uran, who was, uh, in terms of the, the time trial in Saint-Emilion, who might have been a, a, a threat to uh, Richard, Richard Carapaz. Now now Ben, ben O'Connor is, is, is behind him. Uh, in fifth place is Wilco Kelderman, who's not such a bad TT uh, rider. But I, I think they, in a way, put uh, uh, Carapaz out of reach from the others, so the tactic, how strange as strange as it might look, probably protects you know uh, Carapaz's podium place. Mm. Well, this is an unconventional tale of the tap, but um, the uh, the winner was Tadej Pogacar. I should give good mention to Enric Mas because he was dropped. He came back, and when he came back, he attacked, and then he attacked again. And he he had a really good go to try and win the stage after having a, a tough day. The previous day, he kind of bounced back today. Dan Martin behind was also chasing pretty hard, but in the end finished 24 seconds down in fifth. Pogacar won the stage ahead of Vingegaard, Carapaz, Mass, Martin and Kuss. No real change overall apart from uh, Rigoberto Uran dropping down to 10th overall. Ben O'Connor moves up to 4th. Wilco Kelderman moves up to 5th. One of the main changes of the day was in the King of the Mountains competition which has been really hard fought and really interesting uh, but Pogacar has almost by accident found himself in the King of the Mountains jersey second year in a row um, and he will now win the King of the Mountains head of Poles, Vingegaard and Mike Woods The Cycling Podcast at the 2021 Tour de France powered by Super Sapiens 
Energy Management for committed athletes and coaches. Still guessing on fueling? Not sure what or when to eat and drink on rides that matter? Never again. Optimize your fueling strategy with real-time glucose data, actionable insight, and personalized analytics. We are here to help you achieve your performance goals. Go to supersapiens.com for more on how to track your energy levels and fuel for success. Thank you very much indeed to our title sponsor, Super Sapiens. Very grateful to them for their support. And uh, in today's little Super Sapiens slot, we're going to hear from a guy you know, Mitch, Jack Thompson, the ultra-distance rider who set off 10 days after the Tour de France, chased the Tour, caught it, overtook it, and when Lionel spoke to him today, he was on his way to Paris. Let's hear about his uh, chasing the Tour, wearing Super Sapiens. So my name's Jack Thompson. I'm a professional ultra-cyclist, and basically we had this concept of chasing down the Tour de France, so... I decided I was going to give the Tour de France peloton a 10-day head start and um, and then essentially ride the entire 2021 Tour de France route and, yeah, essentially try and catch them before Paris. So we're somewhere now between Bordeaux and France. We passed the peloton around three days ago on the eighth day of riding in Andorra while they were on their rest day. And, uh, yeah, we're heading up to Paris now to ride the final stage. So I use the Super Sapiens device to um, basically manage my blood glucose levels. Yeah, throughout an event like this, it's essentially a fueling challenge as much as it is a riding challenge. So the Super Sapiens device was a massive help in the lead up to to the challenge and just being able to tailor a fueling strategy and then day after day, just see where my blood glucose level sits and tailor the nutrition around that to ensure I'm, I'm properly fueled day after day. That was Jack Thompson. Phenomenal effort. It's been one of the stories of the tour, people doing alternative tours. We've had Lachlan Morton, now Jack Thompson. Whatever next? We'll maybe hear a bit more from Jack tomorrow evening, but he's on the verge of finishing his Tour de France, and congratulations to him. Um, and he said how important Super Sapiens has been in helping him prepare and do the ride and be fueled properly. If you would like to enter our competition to win three months of Super Sapiens products, go to thecyclingpodcast.com and you'll see how to enter it there. Um, now, we were going to talk about today's stage, but Francois threw a curveball. He, he wants to talk about Wilco Kelderman. Yeah, because, I mean, it's amazing. I was typing the results, uh, you know, a little bit earlier in the day because I, I'm doing the official book of the Tour de France and I have to type the results of every stage every day to, uh, to fill in the, 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 the book. And and I noticed as as you 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 would and as uh, everybody or, or maybe nobody did that Wilco Kelderman is the fifth overall, which is an amazing performance. Uh, and we haven't he hasn't won a stage. He hasn't been in too many breakaways. He's not been competing for the Polka of the Jersey. He's not been in contention for the most aggressive rider or any he's just been riding his bike he's been in contention for the least aggressive rider no i'm, jo- <laughs> I'm joking that's really disrespectful uh, because early on in the race he no, was quite visible he was visible yeah. in the in the early stage in, in britain he come he was there with the guys but i mean it's, it's been quite it's the way he rides we know we know the, the way he is we, we remember the the giro last year when when he, he almost well he kind of lost his leader's uh status to uh uh jane lee uh and 
it, it's the way it is, but it's it, it, in a way it's even more discreet than than a very uh, than a hero of ours, who's <laughs> Aymar Zubeldia. And I, I, I'm kind of wondering if if Wilco Kalman keeps uh, going this way, we, we we might not end, you know, calling the, this kind of uh, shadow racing. Uh, a la Kil- Kelderman. A la Kelderman. More than replace a la Zabeldia. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, I just want I'm not, you know, downplaying his performance at all. I mean, it's, it's always it's, a tricky one, this, isn't it? Because to finish fifth in the Tour de France is a phenomenal it is. performance it is. and achievement. I'm, I'm not, once again, I'm not I'm not joking. I'm not downgrading his performance. But the, the, way, the way you achieve that, he does it through... Yeah, anonymity in many ways, more more than by you know, just consistent consistency. I mean, he he avoided the very early crashes. He crashed yesterday and and had blood on his face and and it was a bit bashed up. So, you know, he's not had a completely smooth ride. But yeah, in honor of of him moving up to fifth overall, we should hear from Will Kelderman. Let's hear what he said at the finish today. Yeah, it was not great. After the crash yesterday, I felt a bit sore, but anyway, yeah, it was a big fight till the end. Uh, you know, this is the last mountain stage, and then it's all, all out. Uh, Emu and, uh, and Patrick Conrad were also really good today, so they helped me really good. And uh, oh, it was really nice that uh, Emmanuel was there in the end. Yeah, he brought me. Uh, he brought me till the last 2k, so that was was actually perfect. I think <clears throat> I can maybe move one spot when it's possible, and otherwise uh, fifth place is also good. So uh, we will see. Saturday, last, uh, yeah, big big fight, and then uh, we'll see in the end. Wilco Kelderman, Mitch. I mean, you know, if you're a GC rider and you finish fifth in Tour de France, that's a huge. It's a huge result. It's worth a lot of points, I imagine, for his team. Um, and it's uh, it's a great result on his palmarès. But in terms of visibility and so on, as Francois says, he's not been somebody that we've been, we've been talking about. So, wh- what's the value in that for the team? If if we're not talking about it, if it's not getting the publicity that the team needs. I think there's two things in that, you know, and we were saying that was very similar to what Rigoberto Oran was doing up until, you know, up until two days ago. You know, he was playing the the consistent card, not necessarily attacking and just always being there. And all of a sudden he was sitting second on GC. I think at the end of the day, yes, you've got these three weeks of talking about it, but it's the end result that does have a big impact as well. Um, the teams can also hinge off that later on, maybe not in the public eye, but definitely in the sponsor's eye. I think it's also been interesting to see what's happened with Bora Hansgrohe since Sagan has left. It's almost like they've really f- flourished and got these great results. They're going to end up with a fantastic GC result. Maybe that would have happened with him still here, or maybe more, I don't know. But it seems like some kind of weight's been listed, lifted and the team's just really kicked into gear and sort of seen the best of them this year. Shoot, shoot at l'arrière du peloton, cycling podcast team car, the back of the pack please. That's the voice of Sam Piquet interrupting tonight's coverage from the Tour de France to remind us to tell you that this episode is sponsored by Stitch Fix. Now you're ready to go get back outside, uh, but your wardrobe says otherwise. Get some much needed style updates with the help of Stitch Fix. Shopping for clothes can be daunting, you never know if things will fit. Returns are difficult and you don't even know what stores to start with. This season, let Stitch Fix do all the hard work. I was a Stitch Fix customer before I moved away from the UK. And in fact, the shirt I'm wearing now is a Stitch Fix shirt. Do you like it, Mitch? 
I do, actually. It was very, very similar to the shirt I was going to wear tonight. Well, what an endorsement that is. Wow. The shirt you're wearing is very uh, sharp indeed. So that's saying something, that we've got similar taste and Stitch Fit has the right taste. Oh, I like it. You could almost set up a rival, Mitch Fix. You could, people, you could, <laughs> I don't want to don't take the competition away. But um, So Stitch Fix is an online personal styling company that makes getting the clothes that you love effortless. It's a completely different way to shop that's all about you every time. To get started, go to stitchfix.co uk slash cycling to set up your profile and then they'll deliver great looks personalized just for you and your colors styles and budget you pay a 10 pound styling fee for each fix that's credited towards anything that you keep and you can schedule delivery at any time no subscription required shipping returns and exchanges are easy and free stitch fix does the hard work for you making great style effortless for men and women Get started today at stitchfix.co.uk slash cycling and you'll get 20% off when you keep everything in your Stitch Fix box. That's stitchfix.co.uk slash cycling for 20% off when you keep everything. stitchfix.co.uk slash cycling. We have got a very, very special segment, beer segment tonight. I tell you what, the craft beer game is so strong in the Pyrenees. It's so good. We've had too many beers to choose from. I picked up beer at the, at the corner today. When I say I did, Richard bought it, so that was great. But we've arrived at our beautiful restaurant tonight um, for dinner. Le Viscos, the famous place to listeners of the Cycling Podcast. I think some of them have actually been here, but it's a place we've been before. I'm very much looking forward to it. Richard's been talking it up. But first, before we get into that, let's talk about beer. And I've got Aurelia, restaurant manager... To run us through these beers and tell the story. He was going to tell me the story about them, but I thought, hang on, even better. How about you run us through these beers, these beautiful beers you've got tonight? Uh, so, uh, this, bo- this beer is made from Luce, where you were today, just at the base of the Ardiden. Uh, the story behind is, is a guy, he was a para Olympic uh, champion on, on downhill skiing. He's have a problem of vision, so, but he's dedicated to make uh, good beers. Um, so he's making. Uh, that's why you have this three star on the on the on the on the label because he was a three star world champion on, on the para Olympic uh, game. Uh, so you have a classic uh, IPA, you have a uh, blonde triple, and you have amber uh, ambre triple. I don't know how you say it. amber amber in in English. Amber. Okay, and you have a amber. Toy Rin. So Toy Rin, Toy is uh, is the name for the the Toy country is where uh, Luz is the area of Luz, Gavarni and Tourmalet. It's called the the Pay Toy. So the Toy Rin is made specially with water, with coming down from the Tourmalet, from Barrage area, the city which is at the base of the of the Tourmalet. And he actually told me that uh, he's uh, trademarked the the word uh, Toy Rin. After that, I'll let you test because what what is, what is the actual name called? Pai Toya. Pai Toy. Pai Toy. That's how you say you you call it. And it's uh, the where we're making is uh, is called uh, Milflor, which is uh, used to be like a, a pharmacy chemical office in in Luce. The true is a true story. Wow. When he buy it, he found uh, he was uh, he was behind a pharmacy shop, and he find uh, that's that's what we call Milflor. They look great too. They got fantastic labels, all different colours. A green for the IPA, purple for the triple amber, a beautiful orange label for the triple blonde, and a red label for the 
Amber Toyrene. These look fantastic. Oh my oh, gosh. More, there's oh, more. there's more. How much? How much no, beer? Ah, oh, right. Just for the, oh, lovely. This looks fantastic. You see, it's funny because Ooh. you can, like you did the call every day, you can, uh, you can ride the beer. Fantastic. I'll get Richard to take a photo of this for everyone to mm. see because this is yeah, worth it's a seeing. beautiful case. Um, it's pretty heavy for you to bring back home, but uh, yeah, it's cool. Oh, we can try. <laughs> <laughs> All right, well, let's let's crack one of these open and do a quick taster. Ooh, that's lovely. I'm drinking the taurine, and it's it's like a lager, actually. It's This is a really good everyday, just slam it down, probably four or five, you know, in the afternoon before you really get serious. <laughs> four or five bottles or four or five o'clock? Both. <laughs> and yours? Um, I've, I've gone for the ombre triple, and it's, it's very sweet. It's quite dark and, and sort of treacly and sweet but delicious really delicious i went for the blonde triple i mean i, I had one before you arrived actually guys and uh look at that well as you say the other this one is very blurred as well, as well so sort i suppose it's dull, unfiltered yeah. because it's but yeah a bit sweet to my taste but still you know, very tasty yeah good stuff you can tell it's uh yeah the real deal like it so listen, fellas, um, second mountain stage in the day with a, a win for Tarek Pogacar. There's no question at all now that he will win the Tour de France. Um, have the French had a good Tour de France, Francois? I mean, Julien Alaphilippe won stage one, um, but David Gaudu has had a go today and yesterday. Overall, have they had a good a good tour? I think the answer is yes, actually, uh, as odd as it may th- as it may seem, if because well, I mean. In terms of stage wins, it, it's not as good as it was last year when we had Nance Peters winning a stage and more stage wins. But if you look at the um, at the GC, uh, it's better than, than it was last well last September. It's, it's always strange when it's last year when actually it was well it was last year. But uh, if you look at the results, uh, Guillaume Martin has, again is moving on. You know he was twelfth two years ago, eleventh uh, last year, and he's now eighth overall. So he's he's, he's Getting there, I mean, where where is he getting? Probably to the maybe top five one day. He's probably not, uh, you know, a guy in a position to win the tour. But at least you know is is progressing. The David Godu, I mean, it was it, as as I said, he had, he had a, a bad day on the Ventoux, uh caused caused him a lot of you know losing lots of time, lost about half an hour that day. He's still 11th overall. He was on the attack yesterday. He was in the attack today. He proved, as he proved in the last Vuelta winning, you know, winning stages, that he's, he's got the... He's not far from, from, from these guys. Uh, so... And we've got Aurélien Paré-Peintre, the, um, the uh, with, well, now the, the kind of teammate of Ben, O'Con- ben O'Con- O'Connor uh, for Aegis uh, Citroën, who is 15th. So three guys in the top 20. Is it, is the the same result as last year, on, only a little bit better. Well, and if you take into account the fact that Thibaut Pinot is injured, Romain Bardet is not doing the tour. Uh, Julie, Julie, the, the little disappointment might come from Julien Alaphilippe. We expect him a little bit more of him, uh, especially in the first week. But the problem with Julien Alaphilippe, and it, it's going to be his problem now for a long time, is the 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 the, the, the you know the. the the range of his uh, abilities, which is kind of you know the punchy stages with a with a was, you know a hard but short climb at the at the, at the finish, this is where he's always doing well. Flash is is the typical not even Liège but flash well on riders. But in that kind of uh, races, he has now 
to face two, you know, real phenomenal riders, Wout van Aert and Mathieu van der Poel. So, <coughs> in a way, <coughs> excuse me, we could say that you know Mathieu van der Poel being the grandson of Raymond Poulidor is 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 kind of the national pride, you know, in a way in this Tour de France. He, he held the yellow jersey for a week. By and large, I, I'd say that you know it, it's it's up now to the new generation because the Pinot Bardet and 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 all these guys, maybe even Julian Lafilippe kind of belong to uh, the kind of waning uh, generation. I think Godu has, has really did what he needed to do. He attacked. You can't, you know, you can't really say anything about that. He, he, he did his best. Pierre Latour, unfortunately, attacks. You know, when, when it comes to his mind and not when he should be doing it, he's like a little bit too. Uh, I don't know. Impulsive. Impulsive is the word. Yeah, and uh, you know, he, he would need to curb down his mad dog. You know, approach to 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 cycling a little bit. Um, with Paris Peintre, you know, he's, he's getting there. I think this, this Egitoire team, I mean, as, as we uh, discussed in the, the kilometer. Well, nice, nice plug, Francois, because today's Kilometer Zero was on Egitoire 30 years. This is their 30th year in the sport. So today's uh, Kilometer Zero was all about Egitoire. We had an interview with Paris Peintre in there. Absolutely. And and they, they believe that they're there. Uh, there are a few signs, like um, Yvon Madiou at the beginning of the tour is grouped by my FDJ. A team director told me that within three years they were expecting to have a, a, a young guy of 21, 22, you know, playing, you know, a major role uh, as a GC rider. So I don't know if he has somebody in mind, but I, he, he thinks that uh, they're getting there. Ejitura as well uh, are working on the number of good climbers for, you know, for GC positions. So, I mean, this, this is promising for, for uh, French cycling for the time being. Well, let's face it, we don't. We haven't found yet the new new Bernardino. That's for sure. Well, you've been saying that for thirty-two years. <laughs> no, I know, but I, I, I'm going to retire soon, so I guess <laughs> I guess that the jinx will be broken. I want to know if, if Macron <laughs> in the car today would have a. It, obviously, yesterday was was the fourteenth of July. Today, with the president in the car, it did seem that the French riders were trying to put on a show, although. They're also, you know, Groupama FTG have had a pretty awful tour. A lot of teams have had a pretty awful tour. A lot of teams are going back at the moment with nothing, um, which could be an interesting day tomorrow in the break. I mean, Mitch, you've been in, we were speaking about this earlier, but you've been in teams that, you know, get towards the end of a grand tour having having not come what they want, they came to do. You know, what's the atmosphere like and what, what is the, the feeling like within the team as you kind of, um, approach the last couple of days it's a hard thing it normally starts into the last week I'd say you know the the last rest day there's sort of a bit of a meeting you know you always go into the the rest days typically have a team meeting you know in the afternoon of that rest day where are we at what have we done what are we going to do and the first rest day is always a bit you know easy going no matter what's happening in the first week long way to go two weeks to go don't worry boys changes very quickly in that last week if nothing's happened in that second week um and there's a different dynamic there a bit more pressure is applied doesn't necessarily help um because you always there's no one out there slacking off sitting at the back just going oh we don't want to do anything obviously we're trying it's just not happening um and the last week the pressure's applied and it doesn't when the pressure's applied things don't miraculously happen normally and when you get to the end, like I said, the pressure keeps getting applied. Everyone keeps, you know, missing breaks, not doing the sprints well or whatever it is. And you always have this sense of relief when you finally leave the race, <laughs> when you finally travel home and 
jump on that train or jump on that flight and when you get back home there's that sense of relief the grand tour is over you always get that no matter what happens but then it's like wow it's good to get away from that environment that's the feeling i've always had but have you ever been on a team when you have managed in the last few days to to produce something to just make you get to the end and realize and at least reflect on having achieved something in the race and, and has that ever happened for you a really good example, and I'm trying to think of Yombo Visma at the moment because they're down to four guys. And a few couple of years ago, we spoke about this crash with Rigo Berto Aran in the Vuelta. We went down to five from, might have been stage nine, I think, something like that. It might have even been slightly earlier. And we had to readjust, and we had Sergio Aguita there. We had Lawson Craddock, Logan Owen, myself, and um, Danny Martinez. And Danny and Serge were the only two guys on GC, and Lawson was going for breaks. He couldn't quite get the win. And Serge, I think it was stage 19, won the stage. And that was that moment. Okay, we didn't have to do anything because we only had five riders, and essentially the pressure was relieved a bit. But it was amazing to see the relief between not only us, but the staff. Because they're working just as hard as us. You, Everyone forgets that, even the riders too. And they appreciate that victory, that result just as much as you they feel it they want it Mm. and it was beautiful it it allowed us to roll into madrid and just really be relaxed and enjoy it and the beer became just that little bit sweeter you know it's funny you say that because um i think i was with daniel we went to the 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 your team's hotel after pierre roland won a stage at the giro a couple years ago and it was two years since they'd won a world tour race and it was an amazing atmosphere there that night because, and it wasn't actually the writers, it was the staff. The mm. staff were, you could, it was just a weight had been lifted and there was a sense of just massive relief that you had there just being in the, in the team hotel. It's great. It's really great to see. And it's a nice reminder on of how invested the staff are in what we do. You know, they do so much. You know, the mechanics are out there working to... The midnight and the, the swan years are not only just massaging you, but they're running around doing everything, and they're invested in that. They're doing everything, a minute percent that probably doesn't make any difference, but they want to make it perfect for you. So it's, it's great to feel that payback almost in a way. But there'll be a lot of teams here where everybody on the team, staff and riders, are just kind of wanting to go home now, I think. Well, tomorrow I think is going to be an interesting day for that fact. It's a flat, flatter day. Should be a sprint, but I think it's going to be a fight purely because of that reason. And we're going to see some other things come into play, I think. Some weird things that you find at the end of this tour. Teams start chasing for Teams GC or trying to get in breaks, chasing breaks back because they need to be in it. And probably UAE won't have to do much at all uh, tomorrow, I can imagine. Being a sprint stage and all these other weird sort of games that teams need to play to try and get something out of this tour. Science in Sport is supporting the cycling podcast at the 2021 Tour de France. Science in Sport, fueled by science. Thank you very much indeed to Science in Sport, our long-time sponsor since 2016. Very grateful to them for their support. If you want 25% off all your Science in Sport products, go to scienceinsport.com and at the checkout, enter the code SISCP25. SISCP25. If you want to enter our competition as well to guess the winner of Sunday's stage into Paris, um, then 
go to thecyclingpodcast.com and if you are one of the people who select the, the winner, you have a chance of winning £80 worth of science and sport products. It could be Mark Cavendish because he's made it through the Pyrenees. Um, again, you know, some people didn't expect that. He's not ridden a Grand Tour for several years. He didn't train for the Tour de France. didn't think he was riding it. So quite an achievement. And we talked about Pedler de Charme last night and a lot of people actually have nominated Tim de Klerk for Pedler de Charme for the work he's done in this race. Um, and the way he has helped Mark Cavendish through the, 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 the these tough stages. If you look at today's um, results, uh, the the current quick step riders came in together, five of them, Michael Morkov, Tim de Klerk, Dries Devenens, Davide Ballerini, and Mark Cavendish. The final five places on the stage, 32 minutes, six seconds behind. But, you know, those four riders were were looking after Cavendish and doing a fantastic job. So Tim DeClerc is a very good nomination. Um, I have to mention as well that I had a message from Stacey Snyder today. Stacey makes the beautiful cups, mugs, gelato bowls, beer cups as well. Mitch, you would probably... you. I know you've got a, a mug already, but you'd probably like a, a beer cup as well, wouldn't you? It's a ceramic beer cup, yeah, is it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Very yeah, popular. Right. Yeah. Lovely. Yeah. If you're listening, Stacey, I know you will be. Um, Mitch would love a, a beer cup. Um, Stacey did say that she feels like she needs to correct the record about the last batch selling out in three minutes. She said it sold out in about eight minutes, which is still breathtakingly fast. Three minutes would have broken the previous record of five minutes by two minutes which would be on another level and probably raise some questions about illegal performance-enhancing activities. Um, so on, on that subject, the, the big story this morning was Bahrain Victorious and this police raid. Um, as we said earlier, it comes from the same prosecutor's office as was behind the raid on Naira Quintana's room. Uh, well, it was Naira Quintana, winner Anacona, and I think his brother Dyer Quintana last year, a, a little cell within Archaea Samsic. Um that that petered out, nothing ever came of it, did it? No. No as far as I know, I mean and I live in Marseille and I know the uh uh you know legal and police authorities there. N- nothing seemed to come out of it. But you never know with these kind of inquiries they can drag on for many, many months and many, many years. Is the Baron investigation linked to that Archaea Samsic investigation? We have no idea whatsoever. Um so well, it's very, very early to 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 jump to any conclusions, uh, as you know. The uh, you know this kind of, uh, I mean, prosecutors' offices and uh, and the police are very sec- well secretive, and that's kind of normal. So, what were they looking for? What 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 is it linked to? We have absolutely no idea. Of course, I mean that th- there had been talk, and we on the podcast talked about it. You know, kind of questioning the, uh, the the wave of, of success by barring victorious riders. I mean, Mark, Mark, Mark Padoon and and a couple of other guys. Um, but once again, you know, performing well and doing all right and winning stages that is, is not proof of any wrongdoing. And so for the time being, we, we, we you know, the only thing we can say is that, and I think that's, that's the only stand we can, uh, we can make at the, this stage is, uh, Police raids in hotels for you know in riders during grand tours, and especially during the Tour de France, 
um, have become part of the job, you know, of, of being a, a cycling pro on the world tour. There is always a, a, an ongoing investigation. There's always guys that, that, and also the tour is kind of a, you know, kind of a, uh, yes, you know, big screen even for uh, anti-doping authorities to say, hi, look, we're doing something about it. Will, will anything come out of it? It's really impossible to say because we don't know what they were looking for. We don't know what what the uh, charges might have been. We don't know if there was uh, anybody, you know, where does it come from? You know, there can be denunciations at times. We we actually have no clues uh, for the time being about what, what's going on. What's the um, legal stance there in terms of the police able to come in and just do those raids? You know, do they need some kind of warrant or suspicion no. or is it they no, can just raid no, anyway yeah. there, there was there was actually there was a, there was a little the baron issued a statement about the, the what happened and you know the and saying not nothing really was i mean the no rider was arrested or you know they, they were allowed to go on and they said no warrant was issued but in french legal system you don't need a warrant to uh, to to you know to uh, spe- especially for drugs offenses so it's, it's the, the 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 kind of charges for for the investigation are pretty vague you know like uh, like as you well you you, you spell them out and uh, and there are two authorities in france who can act without any uh uh, warrant or wh- or whatever you know, uh, uh, and especially in the, what is it, drugs dealing, which is kind of the case, and uh, and customs officers, customs officers, and and very often you know in drugs in or dope related offenses, you see the customs officers uh, acting, and customs officers can really almost break into your home and and search and look for anything they want without any warrant or without without any authority, you know. Uh, kind of any any control so uh, so so i mean the procedures we see, we saw that are, are not unusual and are not you know illegal at all i mean the uh, sp- dope smuggling doping products or dealing with doping products is a criminal offense in france and if uh you know the, the police have grounds to believe that you you might have been involved in that sort of a uh, business then they they have every right to to do what they did yesterday Mm. Well, I mentioned I spoke to Roger Hammond uh, at the finish. He and Rolf Aldag are two of the people that run that team. And um, he uh, really played it down. I mean, he he said that they, they really just seem to be interested in the writers' files. Um, somebody who, who offered a slightly different interpretation of it, so Matej Mohoric, the, the, the writer, um, who said that, you know, they, they, they seized things. And, and Roger Hammond said that he'd seen it reported that he'd had his phone taken, but he demonstrated that he actually still had his phone. So, yeah, he really played it down. But Matej Moric was a pretty angry figure at the start in Poe and at the finish. Um, let's hear what he said at the finish. Um, Kate Wagner was up there at the summit of Luzardeden, and she was one of a number of journalists speaking to him there. And so it's kind of interesting that there was so much activity considering, you know, what happened last night. I kind of thought all of you guys would lay low. No, no, no. We were trying to make our point because uh, we have nothing to hide, no? We yeah, have... Uh, exactly. The only thing we have to do is to prove our, our value, our worth. Uh, we play on the even field with all the others and uh, if you hide, it really, then I don't know. That makes no sense to exactly. me, no? I mean, 
I will always, okay, maybe some days I save my energy and then some days I really try to invest everything I've got, but then it doesn't mean that those days I have a special uh, help or something, you know, it's super disrespectful, but on the other hand, once the investigation will be cleared, no, I hope that we are really proven to be one of the best teams and that good, good results can be expected of us, no? The team has has gone to the police or... Yeah, why you? Why you guys? I don't why, know. Why has this came about? Yeah, it's hard for me to comment. I don't know who made the... Who made the claim or whatever who ordered the the, the warrant but uh, this is not my responsibility i cannot comment on that i'm just here to focus on the race and i have nothing to hide so i don't care but, i mean it's a little bit uh, weird now and uh, a tricky situation because yesterday i felt like a drug dealer no like a proper drug dealer but uh, they also went through my phone through my everything no so so so, so what what happened there can you just talk us through like was it 10 o'clock and they knocked on your room and what? Yeah, yeah just like 50 policemen appeared in the hotel all around. I don't know how many because I didn't count them but many many and they just searched through everything we've got uh, every single one of us so yeah they took also some phones and some computers so some guys are left without their phones without their computers they're sealed in plastic bags as evidence and they were told that they will see them in two months again so I don't know what's going to happen yeah that was Matty Moric it's a story that we will I'm sure continue to follow and if we hear any more about it we'll obviously say it um, in the podcast but uh I'm not sure anything will come out uh, for the the last couple of days of the Tour de France. Um, Francois, we're in the Pyrenees, final day in the Pyrenees today. Um, mm -hmm. We head up north, well, towards Bordeaux tomorrow, don't we? Another sprint stage we expect. But uh, what have you got for us in the way of culture and songs and words? Riders. I have a few things, of course. I mean, the, the word of the day for me would be miracle which is the same word in French, miracle. We pronounce it differently, but it's the same word. Only slightly different. <laughs> Sounds exactly the same to me. <laughs> but yeah, anyways, uh, we went through Lourdes today, uh, Lionel Bernie's favorite city. Uh, well, lots of well, lots of people's favorite, fa favorite city, but we all know about Lourdes, uh, you know, Saint Bernadette, Subaru, you, you know, uh, had an appearance of the... Uh, of the Virgin Mary and you know and and so all this business of um, religion in in Lourdes started, so miracle uh, I guess a miracle today would be for Tadej Pogacar to lose the Tour de France, but you never know you know we're we're in an area where miracles happened. I mean, so, so you know, uh, I suppose Jonas Vingegaard and Richard Carapaz will be hoping for a miracle to happen before the end of the tour, but we really don't really believe um, you know something. Uh, well, and in a way, we hope nothing happens. You know, Pogacar dominated the tour. Is so I believe in miracles going to be your song? I, I might have is done this one, but I, but it won't be the song. You, you see what the song is going to be. Is uh, this the place also you can buy the water? Yeah, of course you can buy water. You can make huge candles. Yeah. You know, uh, also to uh, to de to dedicate to the. I mean, you've you've never have you been to uh, to. Um, um, Lourdes Bas Bas Basilica before? No, I was no. just there at that town in a, a month ago at uh, La Ocatan. We stopped there and there was all these bottles of water for sale. And I'm like, yeah, yeah, well, come on no, now. No, I'm not a, buying water. It's a, it's a real, <laughs> no, it's a real <laughs> Only craft beer. Like, it's, yeah. I mean, Lourdes, everybody knows. It's, I mean, I, no, no, no offense to, to, to believers and people, you know, people mm. who come to. I mean, a few miracles happen in Lourdes. I mean, they're, mm. they're very well registered and. Uh, 
and you know credited and well you know fair enough and uh, but it, but it's true that the whole industry around you know uh, religion around the uh, around miracles and around is a little bit well i mean let's face it over the top and uh, and the, the the town is all about little you know uh, plastic figurines made in China or whatever of of the Virgin Mary and stuff. It's a business there, and uh, but the, well, you know, it's part of the thing. And 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 all the area where we are, I was actually totally changed by the the fact that you know Bernadette so the Virgin Mary, and now it's, it's become an industry. It's become a very touristic area thanks to that. So, so thanks for the Virgin Mary and Bernadette in terms of tourism. I mean, it it brings people around, and 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 maybe it brought the tour here. Who knows? You know. Anyways, um, well, the the song will be of the day will be linked to that. But I, we, we usually finish with a song, so you see what it is. Uh, there's a cheese of the day after the beer of the day. The cheese of the day is called Oso Irati. Uh, Oso Irati, also known as Eskiru, is produced in northern Basque Country and in Bern. And we are in Bern here. Um, and actually, the, the name reflects its geographical location, the Oso Valley in Bern and the Irati Forest in the Basque Country. Uh, it's one of the cheeses that's been recognized as an Appellation d'Origine Contrôlée, AOC, since 1980. It's one of three ships' milk cheeses granted AOC status in France. Uh, you've got two other uh, uh, ships, milk, cheeses granted, you know, appellations in France. There are Roquefort, you, everybody knows Roquefort, and Bruccio. Bruccio is in Corsica. Uh, so, I mean, the Osoriati uh, cheese is of ancient origin, and it's traditionally made by the shepherds in the region. So it be, it's been around for a long time, and maybe we'll see later in the day uh, for a dinner, maybe we have a, a, a bit of this. Um Curious fact of the day: um, the, the tourmalet. Uh, I mean, it's uh, we, we've been up the tourmalet today. I mean, the riders rode it and we drove it. Uh, Richard <laughs> drove the car up. Uh, well, we followed the course actually going down to Luzardin. It's, it's a classic, uh, um, you know, uh, climb of the Tour de France, which means in in French or originally bad detour. Uh, and he actually earned a bit of fame as early in 1675 when King Louis XIV's mistress, Madame de Maintenon, went up it in a sedan chair. I mean, she was not, you know, so there were two, there were four guys obviously carrier, you know, carrying the sedan chair up the the, the climb. And uh, but with that, so they, they are the real pioneers of climbing. It's like the current quick step today. <laughs> <laughs> it's like the current quick step. But we, uh, I mean, so so why did, did she went up uh, go up the uh, the Tourmalet? Because she was she was actually um, looking after the Duke of Maine, or the king's son. I mean, he was a bastard son of the king, and and he had, he had problems with his legs, and and they thought that the waters here in Barège were good for his for his legs. So uh, to get to Barège, the the, the 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 quickest way was to go up the Tourmalet. And so they went up there up with a sedan chair. So there, was, there are four guys who carried these two two people, you know, the Duke of Maine and the Madame de Maintenon in that car, you know, carrying the thing for, well, how long is it? 17 k's up and the same down. Um, well, unknown pioneers of the Tourmalet. Their names never stayed in history. <laughs> yeah. They actually were, you know, the guys doing the job. Uh, well, and... And actually, I mean, it and this this you know little episode started the, the, the trend for waters and spa uh, in the area. So, well, I mean, I, I think we should honor the memory of these unknown, uh, you know, 
by, 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 of the tumor. by drinking <laughs> lots of water. Yeah. <laughs> well, we haven't Fermented been doing water. that. Yeah. <laughs> With malt and... <laughs> a last little, um, a, a last little homage as well to a to a to a Tour de France rider called Raymond Mastrotto. He was th- he was six in the 1960 Tour de France and win over stage in Pau 1967. And he came from Ney, uh, which which was at Kenuman 19th uh, uh, of the stage today. When he won his Tour de France stage uh, in well at home almost in Pau 19, uh, 1967, he was he was called the Bull of Ney. You know there was the, his nickname. He was surrounded and pushed around, you know, by the crowds and journalists. And and apparently journalists, came, I mean podcasters of the day, they came around him and they, and with their notepads and microphones, as you know. And some stepped on his feet, you know. And he was ah, so he pushed, he shoved them away, and he said, "Hey, I'm not going to win another one tomorrow." So meaning, you know. Get, get away from me so that that was um you know Raymond Mastrotto and of course we we um we slept in Campan or near Campan in Lac de Payon last night and Campan is, is very famous for Eugene, Eugene Christophe you know but the the story has been told a million times um, it has it has um I, I'm sorry I'm struggling to shake off the image of the clerk Markov Ballerini <laughs> and uh Devenins Carrying Mark Cavendish um, in a sedan chair up the Tourmalet. <laughs> I don't think that actually happened, but something, Nearly. something close to it. <laughs> Nearly. <laughs> um, so, listen, are we going to play out with a song of the day, Francois? Yeah, so we were in, as we were in Lourdes, and we're talking a lot about religion. And uh, and if you go down to Lourdes, and some of you have, have done it, you see nuns all over the place. I mean, there are more nuns in uh in Lourdes than uh, any other people and so I, I thought I, I, I should sing the, the famous hit song by the singing nun <laughs> if you remember I mean the, the, the sister old, act yeah the, you know the older guys you know remember the, the singing nun was it was a, a, a totally strange hit record in the in the 60s uh, sung by 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 a real nun with her guitar, and it, it and and the song was Dominique, <laughs> and it went Dominique nique nique s'en allait tout simplement routier pauvre et chantant en tout chemin en tout lieu il ne parle que du bon Dieu il ne parle que du bon Dieu Dominique nique nique s'en allait tout simplement routier pauvre et chantant en tout chemin en tout lieu il ne parle que du bon Dieu il ne parle que du Bon Dieu. <laughs> well done. Thank you, Francois. You're welcome. Thank you, Mitch. Thank you, guys. Looking forward to this dinner. Oh, yes. threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, 
Quick strategic thinking is crucial, and with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Survivor 46 is here and so is On Fire, the only official Survivor podcast. And we have a twist this season. The winner of Survivor 45, D. Vyadaris, will be joining us every week. We're going behind the scenes of the biggest moments, the how and the why things happen, and the strategy and analysis you can only get from someone like me, a Survivor winner. Listen to On Fire, the official Survivor podcast, wherever you get your podcasts.